I would now like to welcome Dr. Gerald Horn, the Morris Professor of History and African American Studies at the University of Houston. He's written more than 30 books, including the award-winning The Dawning of the Apocalypse, The Roots of Slavery, White Supremacy, Settler Colonialism, and Capitalism in the Long 16th Century. He, his most recently published book is The Bittersweet Science, Racism, Racketeering, and the Political Economy of Boxing. Dr. Gerald Horn, welcome. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, Dr. Horn, tomorrow's our weekly roundtable, and of course we hope to have you back for your continued updates and analysis now. But looking at the Ukraine on the geopolitical front, the Secretary General of NATO has said in a recent speech that NATO is deepening its partnerships in Asia because of what he described as an increased quote-unquote security challenge uh, from China. And some of the BRICS nations, India and South Africa, uh, who are part of the BRICS nations, along with Brazil, Russia, and China, who, by the way, BRICS make up 24% of the world's GDP, they've been skittish on the war uh, in the Ukraine. Uh, Dr. Horn, just uh, starting out with you, <clears throat> you have made the point that the analysis, look, um, certainly on the part of, of mainstream media, but also in some of the alternative uh, media, haven't really gone deep enough in terms of the geopolitical reasons and implications uh, for this war. Given what the NATO Secretary General has said, um, your thoughts here? Well, certainly with regard to the alternative media, we've had a surplus of editorialists and a deficit of analysts. If we had more analysts, they would focus on what you just mentioned, which is that NATO has suggested that its remit is extending from the North Atlantic, which is embedded in its title, all the way to Asia. I've suggested from the inception of this conflict on February 24, 2022, that actually the ultimate target is the People's Republic of China. That is to say, the idea is to weaken China's major ally, which is Russia, as a way to more effectively encircle China. It's difficult to confront China frontally and directly because that would mean confronting Tesla and Microsoft and Apple and GM and Starbucks and KFC and a goodly number of the Fortune 500 corporations embedded in the United States of America. Secretary of the Treasury Janet Yellen also pointed in this direction just yesterday by suggesting that uh, there might be secondary sanctions imposed upon nations like China and presumably the other BRICS members as well, including South Africa and Brazil in particular, unless they went along with these primary sanctions against Russia. So it seems that we're hurtling towards the brink of catastrophe, and we need a peace movement that not only engages in editorial denunciations, but also calls for de-escalation and negotiation. That would ordinarily be the role of the United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres of Portugal, but as his, the presence of his homeland suggests, uh, he is perceived in Moscow as being overly pro-NATO and has basically uh, thrown himself out of the game. Uh, therefore, it seems to me that what needs to happen is that the African Union needs to step up as a mediating force in this conflict between NATO and Russia, perhaps 
President Ramaphosa of South Africa needs to step up because the rhetoric is becoming ever more heated. You may have noticed that uh, President Biden the other day suggested that uh, Russia is engaged in, quote, genocide, unquote, uh, in Ukraine. Uh, this is not just a colloquial term. It's a term with fraught meaning in terms of international law. If you go back to April 1994, you might note that during the height of the genocide in Rwanda, Secretary of State Albright, uh, Susan Rice, the National Security Advisor, and uh, Assistant Secretary of State for Africa, and uh, the U.S. President as well, all studiously avoided using the G-word genocide because when you invoke genocide, it's incumbent to intervene to stop the genocide. I hope that Mr. Biden is not priming the United States military to become militarily involved more than it is in Ukraine, but certainly dangerous and ominous signals are pointing in that direction. Uh, speaking of which, the fate of the planet might be hanging on the slender thread that is agreement between lawyers in Washington and lawyers in Moscow. The lawyers at the State Department in Washington, they make the point that the dumping of a large arsenal of weapons into Ukraine does not make the United States nor NATO a co-combatant that would then allow Moscow to attack U.S. forces in Poland, Germany, for example, that are supplying uh, Ukraine. However, if Moscow lawyers do not take the same position, then they could say that the United States and NATO are co-combatants, which would then mean we're on the brink of World War III, which would mean and suggest that we're on the brink of the extinction of all humanity. Yeah, and, and Dr. Horn, I mean, to underscore your point, this announcement that was just made yesterday by the Biden administration, I mean, they are sending weapons to the Ukraine now that they had not sent previously because they knew full well that that would mean an escalation and that would lead the United States closer to a direct uh, conflict <clears throat> with Russia. And this business now of uh, Sweden and uh, Finland, Sweden, which shares a very long border uh, with Russia, talking about entering uh, NATO, yet another uh, provocation. And we, in terms of escalation, and we also have to see exactly what did happen with this ship, the flagship in the, the Russian flagship in the Black Sea, I think the name of it was uh, Moskva, in the Black Sea, there are conflicting stories about exactly what happened there. So, Dr. Horn, it does seem as though things are moving in the direction of escalation and not de-escalation. And it, it also seems as though when there are attempts to open up humanitarian corridors or perhaps to make some progress uh, in negotiations, uh, something happens, some big attack or something happens that derails it. And one has to question who gains uh, from all of this. I, I wonder your, your thoughts on that. But uh, also, um, you know, you, you raise China 
And China, it is reported that they are now their huge offshore oil and gas uh, producing company, that they're withdrawing operations from uh, Britain, Canada, and the U.S. because they're concerned that these Chinese assets assets could be sanctioned by the West and that China is increasingly looking to grow its assets in Latin America, the Caribbean, and on the continent of Africa. Dr. Horn. Well, I think that that has been one of the foreseeable consequences of this conflict, which also raises the point why the peace movement should not be more critical of stateside entities, such as the State Department, the Pentagon, the CIA, think tanks like the Atlantic Council and the Brookings Institution, universities like Yale, which specialize in teaching courses in grand strategy. Because there is a fundamental and profound flaw in the logic of all of those aforementioned entities. They posit that Russia is aggressive, which is one of the reasons why you need NATO to encircle it. If their logic is correct and Russia is aggressive, then it should have been foreseeable that a conflict would emerge with all of these downstream consequences, such as uh, China reorienting from the North Atlantic to the global south, such as, for example, the Western European nations becoming and reaching the position where they're going to boycott a Russian natural gas and then try to seek alternative uh, entities to supply natural gas, which then leads us to Algeria, which is not necessarily fond of Western Europe, not least its former colonial master in France. And so now Algeria is now playing hardball with regard to supplying natural gas to Spain and Italy, and in fact, has Spain and Italy at each other's throats as they tend to compete for Algerian natural gas. And this is part of the turnabout that we see as a consequence of this conflict. Uh, That is to say, pulling capital out of the North Atlantic, reoriented towards the Global South, uh, leaders of Global South like Algeria in the Catbird Sea, manipulating a Western European nation, this was all foreseeable, but somehow the think tanks and the CIA and the State Department and the Pentagon uh, did not necessarily foresee it. And in terms of the reshuffling of the international deck, you should not only focus justifiably upon this dangerous talk emanating from Helsinki and Stockholm about uh, joining NATO, which would be like the red flag to the bull, but also the credible accusations made in Pakistan that the dislodging of Prime Minister Imran Khan was because he was perceived in Washington as getting all too close and chummy to Moscow. Of course, there's been a long-term alliance between Pakistan and the People's Republic of China. And if Mr. Imran Khan, the former Prime Minister in Islamabad, is correct, then possibly you can expect a further attempt at regime change, along with secondary sanctions imposed, upon nations in the global south who do not want to go along with this adventure uh, in Eastern Europe, uh, which obviously uh, speaks to this moment quite dangerously. And I should also make another point. I I, I trust that you heard the remarks of Dr. Tedros of the World Health Organization, who was very upset. Uh, He suggested that he does not quarrel with the attention to the hundreds of thousands of refugees flowing out of Ukraine into Europe, into Western Europe in particular, uh, but he's concerned 
that there seems to be a double standard. And in terms of that double standard, you might have seen how you had this stunt uh, pulled by the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, who took refugees from the Texas-Mexico border and bussed them to Fox News Studio in Washington, D.C., for a, a kind of news item and a follow-up. Quite cruel. You see how Britain, which has opened its doors to Ukrainian refugees, is now devising a plot to send other refugees all the way to Rwanda to be processed. Now, this is a rapist double standard, and what's even more remarkable is that we do not have people of color, at least the organizations, speaking more forcefully uh, with regard to this double standard, because obviously this will redound to our detriment, ultimately. And I should mention in that context the point that just the other day you saw President uh, Zelensky address the Grammys, which of course includes a number of prominent uh, black musicians being honored with the prominent singer John Legend uh, warbling afterwards uh, a ditty uh, in solidarity uh, with Ukraine. But many of us were wondering, well, why, is, why, why don't the Grammys uh, open their uh, uh, doors to having uh, Haitian refugees being uh, highlighted uh, during that uh, telecast? Now, of course, I'm not saying that, obviously, to be anti-immigrant uh, like Dr. Tedros. I do not quarrel necessarily with uh, this extending of uh, hospitality to Ukrainian refugees. The question is, why isn't that hospitality extended to refugees through, throughout the global south? Right. And um, two things connected to the issue of race, uh, Dr. Horn. Um, we are noting that the uh, police in Grand Rapids, Michigan, have now released videos that shows a white police officer shooting a 26-year-old black man. This ha all happened during a traffic stop, okay? And this man lost, uh, lost his uh, life, Patrick uh, Lyo. Yeah. And so, you know, there's that happening on the home front. And it's not, by the way, making headline news. You know, it's it's kind of, you know, it's making some news, but not certainly as it would have if a war wasn't going on. And uh, in terms of the double standard on the U.S., uh, Mexico border, there's now a special lane that has opened up to fast forward Ukraine uh, refugees that are coming in. And one has to wonder who are these refugees that Governor Abbott is then bussing uh, to Washington, D.C. I doubt very much they are um, the refugees from Ukraine. Likely there are brown people, brown and black people from south of the border or from, from the continent. And also um, Ukraine and Asian students are are experiencing being beaten by Ukrainian security, pushed off buses and trains, and unfair detention at EU's, um, you know, borders, and that the EU's temporary protection directive will not apply to students who did not have permanent residency in the Ukraine before the war. So they have to apply for asylum at a national level uh, for protection. And then if they do manage to get into uh, Poland, we've heard stories of them being abused uh, by guards and, and police in Poland. So uh, certainly that underscores uh, your point about a, a double standard going on here. And um, uh, no, a, a reason likely why so many countries of, of the global south are not 
you know, enthusiastically buying into the U.S. and Western approach to, you know, what is uh, happening in the Ukraine. I mean, just 300 people lost their lives in uh, South Africa due to flooding that's attributed the severity of it to, to global warming. So, you know, we know who's at the front lines here. Um, Dr. Horn, your your thoughts on all this, and and also finally, that on the financial front, the U.S. seems to be struggling to keep the U.S. dollar as leading the global reserve currency, right? As economies are looking at how to get around the U.S., um, you know, the U.S. imposed sanctions. Dr. Horn, your thoughts. Well, I, I think that that last point is absolutely critical. What I mean is that the ultimate significance of this conflict in Eastern Europe might be what's called de-dollarization. That is to say, the move away from the dollar as a major reserve currency used in bilateral trade. We already know about the fact that India is buying Russian oil on the cheap with the trade consummated in Indian rupees and Russian rubles. We have heard discussion about uh, Saudi oil being sold to China with the Chinese currency being used. In that context, that footnote, the rather uh, frightened letter sent to President Biden from leading members of Congress, including Congressman Adam Schiff of the Southland, Congressman Gregory Meeks, the head of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, objecting to any warming of relations with Saudi Arabia at a time when reputedly and reportedly Mr. Biden is headed to Saudi Arabia, hat in hand, to beg for the Saudis to pump more oil so that the price of gasoline at the pump will go down so that the odds for a democratic comeback in the November elections might be improved. I should also mention in this context, to your point concerning lack of enthusiasm in the global south about sanctions against Russia, this is reflected in the 58 abstentions that took place just the other day with regard to the vote in the United Nations General Assembly on expelling Russia from the Human Rights Council with a disproportionate number of that 58, not to mention the dozens of no votes uh, coming from Africa in particular. And finally, I I should mention that there's been a lot of talk in the United States about uh, branding Putin and his foreign minister, Sergei Lavrov, as war criminals dragging them before the International Criminal Court, even though Washington is not a signatory to the International Criminal Court Charter, nor is Russia, even though past legislation has suggested that Washington, believe it or not, would consider uh, invading the Hague in the Netherlands, where the ICC is cited, if the ICC were so bold as to prosecute U.S. individuals. And, of course, the ICC has opened a file looking at the U.S. human rights depredations in Afghanistan not to mention the depredations of U.S. ally Israel in the uh, occupied territory. So what's happening is that this crisis is accentuating a number of pre-existing contradictions, and once again, what we need are the peace forces to put on their collective analyst cap and thinking cap so that we can collectively come to some sort of understanding of what is the significance of this momentous event unfolding as we speak in Eastern Europe. We'll continue this discussion tomorrow, Dr. Horn, because it does seem to me anyway that if this war 
doesn't lead to World War III. It certainly seems to be a harbinger for solidifying a multipolar world. And Dr. Horn, we've been discussing this on um, our weekly roundtable uh, for quite some time. So thank you so much, Dr. Horn. Your analysis uh, rare and not heard enough, either on mainstream or alternative media. So our Sojourner Truth listeners are very lucky to be able to have you uh, break this down for us. Dr. Gerald Horn, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for inviting me.